not amazing that we can actually communicate, you know, using things like cell phones as hotspots and go out on such thin bandwidth and still be able to, uh, you know, get out there and, and communicate at all. And I've really, you know, been, you know, kind of toying with the idea of video now that it's kind of an old hat. And, um, but I think radio is always, you know, radio is always going to be king. You know, no matter what you do, no matter how many videos, because you can only stand somebody for so long. Even if you flip the camera from side to side and get a wide shot and a couple of close-ups or have a guest on or a Zoom call, after a while you just, I mean, what I do is I just put the Zoom down. I just put it down and I just listen because I, I don't really need to see them talk, right? Because that's extra effort. <laughs> so anyway, radio will always be king. So you can take that to the bank. It's sort of like saying, the word of God will always be the word. You know, it, it's, it's a, I mean, you can come up with any kind of variations to present it or any kind of, you know, other way of having it, but it's always going to be just down to that word. And, you know, it, it, to get the meaning across will, will be the word. And the word's king. Once again, and that would be the spoken word. So, you know, all right, so where we left off was kind of in a, in a quandary because I was going to a doctor trying to get a diagnosis as to what's going on. Well, we finally had a um, rather explosive um, revelations, and, and I, you know, I, I can't even describe really the event that occurred, I guess some would call it a miraculous event. Someone, you know, I'm not out of the woods at this point, but um, I had somehow, you know, the doctor couldn't do a scan on me because my kidneys had gone down to like 40% or whatever, which they're not now, by the way. The event changed things. So what the event was was really... I, yeah, and this is kind of, you know, can you handle gross? <laughs> you guys? Of course you can, but I mean, are they out there beyond you guys? Yeah, you handle gross. Yeah, because I went to the, so I got sent from a doctor's son, who is a gastroenterologist, because that's what, I mean, for years we thought of the problem, and I had, I, I guess I had misdiagnosed myself for a lot of years. In fact, I, just to show how off um, and how stupid I've been, I would call our partner Larry in Crazed House and I tell him, I found the cure. And the beginning of the cure was like balancing my brain chemistry. Well, you remember that period I went through. And of course, the only reason the brain chemistry was off was because of uh, other things in my body that were going wrong. But, you know, and, 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 uh, and other things, I, I, you know, pretty much anything to to avoid seeing a doctor because, um, you know, I just felt that, you know, I was kind of of the school of thought that the body really heals itself, blah, 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 blah. So I was trying to, like, diagnose and then treat myself, mm-hmm. and, I, you know, all that failed. And finally, at the insistence of uh, others who kept telling me to... Go get it. See, here's the difficult thing. 
the way that I got checked out, the way that it, it, it all happened is in itself an act of God. If I present it like it's normal, then I would be taking away God's glory. Because I was sent one place, they couldn't do a scan, but the reason they couldn't do a scan is because my blood pressure was, you know, 200 or something, and my creatinine level was, uh, like I said, we were at like 40% kidneys and all that, but it was because there was something else going on in my body. And I didn't really realize this. And, and, and it's going to make me sound stupid, but it's really pretty brilliant in the sense that, so there I am in the in the GI guy, his office, you know, going through, okay, well, gee, I'm really screwed up. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm screwed for life. That's the end of it. Goodbye. And then he um, sent me to his friend, a urologist, who's in the same building. I'm coming to a hospital complex right now. And um, he... Um, He, well, the reason, okay, so, so the idea is there's this, I don't know why I actually went to the urologist, I'm just trying to think why he would, uh, he said, well, you know, in the scan, your liver was fine, your prostate was normal and all that, but he sent me there anyway, and the guy deduced that I was, um, you know, and my body was swelling like, you know, r- ridiculous amount. Like, I had this giant belly and this huge, just like, barrel of, you know, and I, and I wondered where is that coming from? It was hard as a rock. Like, you'd probably take a hammer to it or something. It wouldn't, you know what I mean? It'd break the hammer. You'd take a knife to it, it'd break the knife. <laughs> it's like on that level. I'm like, whoa, that's insane. So he deduced that, well, you've got a, you know, that it was a bladder issue. Okay, so that means I have to go through, you know, this... Uh, he said, well, we got to drain that bladder. And mind you, I had prostate issues, and I could, I could urinate, you know, not great, but, you know, enough so that I felt that I was, uh, you know, on top of it. So what they detected was they started, you know, draining me, and that's a very uncomfortable process, you know. <laughs> they, I'm not going to go into it. But they, uh, you know, it, so piss started draining, and it got, I need that quiet. And it got to like, you know, one liter, two, three. It got to about eight liters. And then it kept going. And so what happened is the, Apparently there was a backing up in my system of uh, urine in the bladder where the bladder expanded to the entire cavity of my body. Like it was all the way up to my um, to my lungs. In fact, it was cutting off some oxygen. It was all the way on my sides. It was around my, you know, my, my other organs. It was, it finally, they got to about 14 liters, and no one had ever seen anything like that in this entire hospital or the entire, or their entire practice, including, you know, the urologists were taking pictures, and the head of the hospital came in to look at these, Trish has pictures of it, you know, these, like, all these liters, 
plastic leader things that were set up, you know, on a, on the desk in the, in the little um, examination room or treatment room. And it got to be about 14, but, you know, it wasn't done that. And, and it just like, like I said, the head of the hospital, he said the, the, the most we ever saw around here was eight. In, in their entire lives, they never saw anything like this. In fact, he, you know, I became famous in a way, uh, being a, you know, like I, they should study me for science. How did you fit all that? And the answer is, how could you carry that? I, well, the answer is I really should be dead. I mean, then that should have, uh, you know, blown out the kidneys and well, I was pretty much dead, but I mean, that should have blown everything out, including the uh, high blood pressure, kidneys, heart attack, you know, just, just a big balloon. And anyway, they got to like 14 and then, and then, you know, later I, you know, I had to go through, you know, obviously formal treatment and he wanted to put me in the hospital, uh, for, you know, except my creatinine level, which is the kidney function had returned to somewhat normal, like, you know, and my heart rate dropped 50 points instantly, like. I could feel my flesh, I could feel my cavity, everything was like really soft, everything was, uh, you know, I, I have weight, but it wasn't like that, it's like all of a sudden you could feel ribs, and you could feel, you know, you could push your way into the into the body, it was just like something really gone, it's about maybe over 20 pounds, maybe 25 pounds, maybe 30 pounds, and, um, you know, it's been the thing that, you know, over the years, I guess it would be like something like, well, you you know, and this is kind of a warning for men. You go, you know what I mean? And then you think you're gone, but you're still retaining. Like, say you go two-thirds, but there's one-third retaining. Well, over the years, that's going to back up, you know what I mean? Unless you, you know, get that checked out, right? They've got us there. I mean, we can't do it ourselves. We can't do it ourselves. So then... After that, it started being, you know, blood, you know, which they said would happen. So there was like two or three liters of blood that came in, just pissing blood, which which is scary as hell. And um, and pain and, you know, medication that makes you really dizzy. And, you know, this idea that I should have been in the hospital, but I decided to at least try to do this uh, frightmare thing, this convention we had, which was a... Um, you know, I, 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 that, there's not that many. It's funny, I've got people that are real fans that have carried stuff of mine for years and years to get me to sign it. But when I talk on the internet, nobody really knows me that way. You know what I mean? But I had people coming over with posters of, you know, films like, you know, Society and Silent Night, Deadly Night 4 and Bride of Reanimator and all these films you know, wanting to get my signature, and I'd see Brian's signature, and, and other people, you know, other veterans of the of the uh, 80s horror. And, um, you know, but then they also really were interested in glass backwards, and, you know, but I couldn't hang in there. I just had dull pain, and I had kidney pain, because, I mean, obviously I'd been through a lot, and so now I've got this, you know, I'm being treated for a number of things, and uh, the main thing is to stop any infection, but um, but I couldn't really stand, you know what I mean? I couldn't walk, and uh, so they let me bring the car, or Trish was driving, I couldn't drive. 
and brought it in the back, the, kind of the entrance, like, you know, it's sort of like being backstage at a rock concert, you know, there's all open back there, you know, you can drive up, and they got big ramps for gear and, you know, all that, so, um, you know, I was there with my my wheelchair, because I couldn't, I guess I couldn't walk, I tried to walk, but I couldn't, and I, I hung in there as long as I could, and, you know, things were really getting, you know, getting good, but then we had a screening, um, so this is my life right now. You know, I, the guy let me go to this thing. He said, I'm only letting you go because of your creatinine level. Otherwise, you should be in the hospital. Period. So that kind of wore on me the whole time, you know, that I was sort of out of the hospital and completely unfit. In other words, people there, everyone wanted me to just, you know, go back and go see the doctor. <laughs> you know, it's like ridiculous. But I had to see, you know, I wanted to see the result of all that work that uh, everybody had done to put on a great, uh, you know, to have a great time at this Frightmare thing, which was a really successful, uh, I mean, you had like John Carpenter there, you know, the, the, the They Live guy who escaped from New York and all that. He had his own floor to himself. He, they had people like for three days in a row paying a lot of money to get his signature and they were just like, they had to have his own floor. We got a Saturday night screening at, at eight o'clock of the Quantum Devil, the premiere of the Quantum Devil, and we, we hit him with it. And then they all got interested in Girl Next. <laughs> so started, and we had just made a new DVD, you know, I mean, precise, I mean, with, with exactly the mix, exactly the experience of, of the film, you know, completely, not, not like what they put on Amazon, but our own version. And then I had just written a... Um, uh, the novelization of Girl Next, which was also just expanding lots of things about it in the in the book, but keeping it brief and keeping it, you know, pertinent to the movie so you could have both back-to-back. So we started bundling that with, um, with Girl Next and with, uh, and with Glass Backwards, and they were, you know, and I was really happy to get... I just took those Glass Backwards because I never, I never ever marketed it. I never did anything. I just think I'm a piece of shit half the time and I don't do anything. And, and that's just from abuse, you know. That's just like, that's, that's you know, mommy abuse, right? But still, you have to overcome it at some point in your life. I mean, if you can, you know, unless you just think everything you do and say and, and, and your existence is just pure shit, so fuck it all, you know, which does happen. Uh, and that has prevented me from actually going out and selling my works because I've I've... Why should I? I'm a piece of shit, so fuck it. You know, I know that there's people out there that can relate to this. Well, it's not my fault, though. You know, it's it's my responsibility to get over it, but it's not my fault. I didn't do it to myself. It was done to me, just like it was done to my daughter. You know, it's a very shitty world. So, um... So I was surprised and happy that they were really going for it. And I knew that if I got glass backwards in their hands that they would become super intrigued and I also predict that will eventually become a, a film. I don't know, it's just something about it. I got it out, I called the... The publisher died. <laughs> Dave. And Dave was a good guy, but uh, his wife was running the show and uh, we were able to get a box full of books because we are going to be there and... and uh, there's a, a chance that Luigi, the guys who published uh, the novelization of Girl Next, will publish that. 
so it's out and and it's also very contemporary i mean it, it's the kind of story that i think is, is pretty much timeless you know what i mean and it's a serious sick satire and it's completely over the top and i'm you know really proud of it as an artist but i'm not you know as a writer but i'm you know, there's the other part of going out and standing behind it and being like, I'm really great and superior by it, you know. And so, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that wrestling with that awful existence thing, which I never asked for, which I never wanted, I never wanted, never wanted, I never wanted. And um, so anyway, I'm beyond that now with it because it's got, it got out. And uh, so... I don't care when it was written, I'm going to be writing a follow-up to it, and I'm going to be writing a lot more stuff, but um, the main thing is that people were getting the bundle, they were getting the, um, and, and of course they were there for the um, the screening of Quantum Devil, they said, really, this is part of a quartet? It's like, yeah, this is a quartet. You have Girl Next, the first one, then the sequel is Quantum Devil, then the sequel is Never Ever After, then the sequel is... Uh, and these would be bigger movies because they're going to have, um, you know, A-listers in them. So it'd be uh, Never Ever After and then um, uh, Dragon Island, which would be the big one. And then that's the end of the quartet, the quantum quartet, you know, as we, we call it, uh, you know, happily call it. And uh, so they were all, you know, the, the, the public was all interested in that because there were a lot of people at the screening and they were all asking about this. And I'm getting it secondhand too because, I, you know, I, I couldn't be there. I had to leave. Um, <laughs> everyone was happy I left. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't. But um, I was really gratified to see that, that the, the quantum devil brought them all over. They want more. They want to know more about these characters. They want to know more about the story. They want to know more where this all came from. And even Vincent Damien Del Monte, you know, the lead character in Glass Backwards, who basically is a, a mind-controlled um, victim in a sense. I mean, a guy not unlike uh, Alex in Clockwork Orange, um, who starts off by... You know, cutting his mother's head off and using it as a bowling, as a as a, as a soccer ball or something, and he claims he didn't do it, <laughs> even though he, he his friends did it. Even though he doesn't, does he have friends? It, are those imaginary friends? You know what I mean? So you're in this all back this psychological world is just you know, and it's a really careful book. So anyway, the three of those got bundled along with posters. We had um, all of this is available on the. Um, the website too on the uh, Crazed House website, but I got myself a clown T-shirt, Girl Next clown T-shirt, which is just best T-shirt I've ever seen. Cool. Be best graphics. We met the graphics guy. He was just like you know Joe's T-shirts. The clown head covers the entire torso. It's huge, and then there's Girl Next on top, and you can see it from across the room. It just pops. So I've got that. And then we had uh, Girl Next. We have. Uh, Quantum Devil poster with uh, Tyler, um, the, the lead actor was there, Tyler Tackett, I guess he goes by Tackett, and he was really very helpful and uh, getting the word out, and you know, he had, I believe he was wearing the, the poster, we have several different posters for Quantum Devil, one is he's got his face on it, and another one has Tamara's face, the, uh, one of the actresses, and that's like a double face. And so we had those and those T-shirts, right? Are there, there T-shirts of those? Yeah. Okay, and those T-shirts for Quantum Devil and all, and swag for Quantum Devil. Then we have a coin. See, now I'm out of touch with this stuff because I really wasn't, you know, a, that much a part of 
understanding all this, but we have a coin that's a Cthulhu-like Barada coin, which is the um, it's the big demonic character that appears at the end of Quantum Devil. So it's a coin that's an image of that of that um, I, I guess sea beast, be like a uh, half squid, half humanoid sort of thing, and it's it's a it's like a copper coin. And those, I believe, were a gift, right? If they bought stuff, they would get that. They uh, were given to the guests. Oh, the guests? Yeah, when they had a swag bag. Yeah. It was it was included in there. Okay, so those coins got out now. You know, and then and then I talked to people. I actually talked to this one guy who's a veteran into buying all three books. And he goes, you know, he's, he was he was going around saying, you know, I serve my country. I know about mind control. And I, I know about mind control. And I said, you don't know nothing yet. <laughs> I can't say he bought them. And I assured him, I said, thank you for your service. And I I'm, I hope you really get a get an eye-opening look at this. Um, because there's stuff in, in these books, especially the New Girl Next novelization. There's stuff in there that... Um, you know, I guess at one time it was classified, you know, the, just the techniques of using electricity uh, to create trauma, to create, you know, splits in people, things like that, which really use electricity in Girl Next. If you notice, it looks like they're they're just, uh, what do they call those uh, for taking data? You put those on those little um, pods that you put in your head, you know, to take data. Well, these weren't that they would light up when you when you hit the uh, the attenuator for the uh, an old-fashioned voltage machine so you could dial in exactly you don't want to go beyond 300 volts when you're mind controlling someone you you use hallucinogenic drugs and then you use electricity you know shock treatment basically shocking shocking the, the brain and um, you know you could go up to about if you go beyond 300 you could you know kill the person and if you use too much LSD or too much uh, DMT or any of those, you know, best to have a, uh, a blend of those things. And then, of course, you use images, much like in Clockwork Orange, making the person look at the images and then finally just break down and split. And then you reprogram the splits um, to be what you want. The only problem with that is, and what they don't talk about, and what the conspiracy so-called... Um, internet doesn't talk about is the fact that all these splits break off without constant reinforcement. You understand? In other words, without a team of people on one person, those altars will um, escape, will, 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 will die. And the person could be left just like a zombie or a, even a feral person, you know, just like an animal. Um, or, or they could come back to normal. They could unsplit. They could, they could, you know, like in, in Christ, Jesus unsplits people and puts them back into, you know, a whole position so that, cause I, I know for a fact that because I've dealt with so many, uh, multiples that have been in the program at this point, I mean a lot, you know, and they've all had the same experience. That doesn't mean their problems are taken care of. That doesn't mean they're completely well. That doesn't mean they don't get upset and feel pain when, when people are acting so completely evil, and 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 things are taken away, and there's there's no money for people. There's no nothing. You know, it's all just one big um, 
sort of apocalyptic nightmare. That doesn't mean that they don't react to that. What it means is that they, they get integrated over time if there isn't any other stimulus to keep that going because those demonic entities that enter in and become different altars, uh, which basically that's what they're doing. They're summoning demons to inhabit a person. They're not really programming a person saying, well, now here's the program. You need to be like this, this, this. Here's the girl next door plus this kind of gal plus you know Marilyn Monroe in the 50s or something. That's not how they do it. They break the person and then they want entities to come in and take over and then train those entities, you know, to, to, in other words, to cooperate. You get to be in here in this person and be of influence. You're provided you do as I say. Yeah, the programmer will, you know, make that argument. So if there isn't a, you know, like the same, same thing with, like, say, someone like Kathy O'Brien, she was programmed and then used, but she was constantly reprogrammed. That's what people don't talk about. They, they think she was programmed once. She was constantly monitored, constantly under that. And now they do, they do it from satellites. I mean, they, don't, they don't need, or wherever, you know, outside. They don't need to be there in your home. They can break you, traumatize you, split you into a million pieces, create altars, all that, and, and not even, you know, electronically without even being there. And, you know, some gaslighting, you know, having people you have as friends slip you some drugs or, you know what I mean? They're not your friends. They're just part of the program. And, and so I'm aware of all this, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, I've, I've never, ever read anything in the news or on the Internet that was actually accurate. Whether it be, you know, the, 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 you know whether it be that guy in uh, San Antonio, that doctor, what was his name? Him and the mind control experts that have been out there, the super soldiers that have been out there. Remember from, you know, time ago, you know, they'd be on Jeff Rentz or they'd be in, they'd talk to these various people. But, um, and I've heard a lot of like deathbed confessions and things like that, but it, it's like, and I, I think there's a reason why it's never been accurate, and that is because um, the tech, the techniques that are used are very complex. You know, the, the actual, you know, and, and, and in actuality, it's actually sorcery that they're using um, to accomplish the, um, the uh, split personality, the, uh, the, 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 the various altars. Um, they're, they're, they're getting help from an invisible side so that you could repeat their experiment and not get the same result. You know what I mean? So, so you know, you've got that, you know, kind of working against you. And um, there's a lot of papers published. I mean, uh, what's his name? Did something on the Boston Hospital. Big mind control thing there. That's, uh, what was his name? That, uh, Peter Bregan. Was it Bregan? So. Bregan is probably the most accurate. Uh, if you want to really dive into it, uh, but um, when you hear guys like that, uh, no offense, but uh, I won't name names, but just people out there talking on the internet, they're, they're talking out their ass. They don't know. They go, well, H.G. Wells said this, and so and so said this, and then mind control techniques were used, but then they never go into, well, what is the mind control technique? What do they actually do? If they aren't down in the basement in Area 51, what are they doing down there? They can't tell you. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. 
It makes it scary, though. Because if nobody knows anything, which is basically the, de- the deal, and if they do know something, they've been neutralized. You know, that's the other deal. It makes it scary to know anything, right? You just want to kind of forget anything you might have known. Because then it's, you can tie it into, like, it gets tied into, like, airplane, you know, big corporations and airplanes and gets tied into, like, these, these, these cults that are back in the 60s that, that have, like, you walk into their house and everything is from the 60s. You know, everything, everything is like, like, you walk back in time into, like, a, you know, uh, a, uh, um, the TWA, uh, you know, lounge, you know, for first class. It's just all like you know, the same art, the same everything, the same women with these hairdos, you know, that 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 uh, real poofed up on the top, right? Um, like kind of like Jackie O, and uh, you know, kind of like a lot of airplane significant. There's a lot of airplane uh, memorabilia, airplane kind of icon things. You know, it's hard to explain what I mean by that. There's a certain like a jet set modern airplane kind of thing that happened in the 60s before the uh, hippie movement. And anyway, so, uh, you know, that's where you had like, you know, movies that came out like Valley of the Dolls, you know, and, um, you know, that's where you had the 1969, you had the Sharon Tate uh, affair. Roman Polanski, of course, walked. Right. They say, well, no, he he fucked a girl in the ass when she was 12. It's like, wait a second, what about his wife? <laughs> oh, well, that's nothing. <laughs> that's Charlie Manson. Yeah, but Manson's a, you know, like a CIA asset. Oh, well, that doesn't matter. He was hanging out at the ranch out there. They put him in Laurel Canyon along with all the other, uh, you know, sort of... Um, Rich kids, really, from uh, that were connected to uh, brass, you know, like Jim Morrison, uh, Admiral Morrison, Admiral Morrison, an obvious millionaire, zillionaire. Jim, you know, obviously, you know, profited from all that. Got at UCLA and you know, the cool apartment in Venice. He was just like the cool kid, you know. But he, obviously, he was funded, right? You're not gonna, you're not gonna be Jim Morrison unless you got some. Gravitas. Anyway, and then all that, you know, the whole thing with the LSD came in, and that was Louis Julian West. And um, what he wanted to do was he wanted to transform the consciousness of the people of Los Angeles, in particular the blacks and the Latinos. He wanted to put, implant a chip. This is nothing new, this chip idea of Elon Musk. It's nothing new. Anyway, Elon Musk would, you know, experiment with the chip is, um, well, anyone that follows him, you know, you deserve it. Whatever happens to you. If you're that fucking stupid, you, you just, you don't deserve your life. Really. Because you're altering something that's not supposed to be altered. God gave people exactly the amount of intelligence they need, and we don't even use 10%. We could expand our minds to use 80%, but we don't need the Neuralink to do it. We don't need Elon Musk up our assholes. You know, I'm sorry, I'm just talking like a, like a, like a, like a military guy now. Sorry. 
I kind of feel like I'm in the Cold War. You know, like this is the Cold War. Anyway, so let me let me go back to the. Um, please forgive me for my um, digressions. So I head back to the um, what happened. So for two years leading up to that event, I couldn't stay awake. Something was happening where I just keep falling asleep. And so I tried to treat that, you know, narcolepsy, I thought is what it was, or something to that effect, or, you know, with, with uh, brain chemicals and all that, and that wasn't it. And that, that screwed me up pretty good. But it wasn't that. It's that I was in falling asleep and having no energy and just, you know, there was some process going on that was killing me. And everybody had it diagnosed as a GI thing, a colon thing, an intestine thing, you know, constipation, whatever, when it was really the bladder blowing up like a balloon. I mean, the bladder went all the way from side to side and all the way up to my, to my diaphragm. And it was choking off the uh, the colon so that you get the idea that you're constipated, but it's the bladder that was doing it, not the other way around. So to you, who's a victim of this, you'd think, oh, I better get that checked out. And then you find out that's not it at all, but then they can't check you out because your vitals aren't good enough to be checked out because there's always been damage. So all this has been going on, and you, know, you go, well, I wonder why it was that severe. Well, here's the thing. When... They drained the urine out of me in, into 14 liter. They, they had 14 plastic containers, so they were all on a desk. So it made a very strong statement. When Larry walked in, who, who you know, I, I went to see his doctor at his behest. He kept t- bugging me to go to the doctor, even though I kept telling him, I'm cured, I'm cured, I found the cure. <laughs> I did not find the cure. I was living in a... In a Delusion. But when he walked in and he saw that, the look on his face was like he had seen God. He had seen a miracle. It's good. It is a miracle that, that it was like within five minutes it was suddenly, you know, different me, different body, different everything. All those symptoms, you know, blood pressure, falling asleep, you know, basically dying, uh, gone instantaneously. And he looked at that whole thing and he started like crying. And then he was like, then he was overwhelmed as like he'd seen the burning bush. And then there was another emotion he had on his face was like, uh, he was like, praise God too. You know, it was, it was like in, in a very complex uh, palette of emotions on his face as he looked at these, you know, 14 canisters of urine. And, and then they looked at me and said, how could you possibly do that? One of the doctors wrote me today and said, you know, I hear you're going for the world record in urine retention. <laughs> it may be, the, folks, I think it was the world's record. I don't know of another situation, but like just imagine the bladder, how small the bladder is. So for men, the bladder is like... Um, basically above the prostate, right? Below the, uh, 
it, the kidneys, you know, make urine, it drains out that way into the bladder and then, you know, goes to the prostate and then out. Okay, so imagine, so it's a small little sack, you know, it's not a big thing, it's just kind of riding on top of that uh, prostate and it's kind of next to the colon and everything else, but it's not really, it's not really jammed up against anything, it's, you know, in its own right. Well, you can look at a, a medical um, schematic and you can see where it is, you can see how small it is. Okay, imagine that sack covering the entire body, except for arms and legs. Just imagine that. Imagine not being able to get a full breath of oxygen, you being suffocated by your bladder. Then imagine in being diagnosed, and the guy goes, well, you know, drain that bladder, and, and then they come in and do an ultrasound on me. And the girl goes, you know, the gal goes, you know, there's no urine here. The doctor goes, nonsense, drain it. He didn't even look at the, the graph. He wouldn't even look at the ultrasound. He said, and then, of course, the rest was history. And then that all came out. And, and I, you know, probably had no business. I should have been in the hospital in bed and been observed at that point. But I, uh, I wanted to go see the Frightmare. That's why I went there. And, you know, and I know that they all wanted me there. But then they didn't really want me there when I was they saw the condition I was in. Anyway, I'm feeling pretty good today. I mean, you know, I've got uh, pains, you know, and, and everything's different now. The, the sleep thing went away. Blood pressure went away. The, the doctor's son wants to see if I can return to a normal kidney function, so we'll see if, I, if, I, if, if that did any damage. If it did damage, it's, it's my fault, you know. Because, you know, really, if there's serious damage, you know, basically it's, it's dialysis. There is no coming back from that. You know, it's transplant time. And, you know, we just saved a woman in uh, Pakistan, and she had diabetes, and, you know, they were going to cut her foot off, and then found out her kidneys failed. And so we found a guy with a, with a, with a kidney to donate, and he donated. Wow. They did the operation. From what I understand, she's still alive. Anyway, she needed a kidney. You know, a good example of how diabetes can just take your kidney out. You know, the, so the kidneys are not something that's negotiable. My, I'm going through like dull pain, then off, on and off, and I'm in touch with the doctors, uh, you know, through email, and I'm here in, in the medical. Um, basically, it's like being in the hospital, but it's like a hotel in the hospital next to the uh, next to the hospital, next to the doctor's offices. So I'm right here monitoring the medication because the medication makes me um, clumsy. I'm unable to grab things. I'm unable to uh, stand up on my feet. I can't drive. And I can't, you know, but, but it's, it's really all designed to, um, you know, to, to correct that, uh, that issue. And so we'll figure out treatment plans and all that down the road. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not really an allopathic medicine guy. But in this case, it's like if I broke my leg, I'd probably want to go to the hospital to have them set the leg. It's like that. As far as the prostate itself, uh, narrowing or being a problem. Um, you know, I'm not really sure. It's a whole new ball game now. I, I don't. I'm not. I don't know because I, from the, uh, the the CT scan we were able to do, not the intravenous one, but the other one. 
um, we were able to see that it was a normal size. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. We also did an upper GI and endoscopy, and I found out that I don't have a, I thought I had a hiatal hernia from being poisoned. Well, I was poisoned, and I do have something, but that's not what it is. And it's easily treatable with medication, but you have to, you know, with with transparent meds, you know, that don't do anything. It's just kind of, you know, protect protect you from being torn up by uh, acid. All of this, my problems can be summed up to one thing. One, uh, people messing with me, you know, had been one thing. But two, I would say that lately it would be like about 99% the environment and just being, because I mean, I'm going on 70 here and, and like uh, a lot of the men in my line, you know, died and already, you know, already, bit the, already kicked the bucket. So I don't have, you know, if I want to create more years here, I, I need God to, you know, get, oh, I asked him to heal me. But I was healed in five minutes. You know, now it's a matter of just just trying to figure out how to uh, live with a new body. My body is brand new in the sense that, uh, well, all the organs are happy; they're free. They're not being squelched by this. Uh, you know, the bladder. Gr- I mean, this is a great uh, plot for a horror movie. The bladder grows like a balloon inside you till it explodes. You know what I mean? It, it, or like it becomes like a, a living being and escapes, you know, and then goes and tries to suffocate people. You know? When it was so swollen, it was like it was like hard as a rock, and it was so swollen. And then his his belly button changed. Yeah, it started becoming like this little. Yeah, I've got like an any belly button with its it's round that became this slit. Yeah, <laughs> it was weird. And that was like yeah, that was like happening. Like two days before, um, they drained him. But so it, you, you, it was above the umbilical. That's what they said. Uh, on the, um, it was above. Yeah. No, I couldn't. I couldn't get a full. Uh, see, now I can breathe scary. full. That extra little percentage, and you know, it was starting to impact on my lungs. And it was like, you know, I mean, eventually it would be like, you know, no, no. no it was it, almost like Eli. Not getting enough oxygen. Right, right, right. Well, here's the thing. What would have killed me is if I had not come here, I, I would be dead right now. Because I couldn't go another day. Because what happened is when I go to sleep, it's like I wasn't going to wake up. And um, so they were, you know, wanting to be very cautious with me after I, after this whole revelation occurred and by the way that diagnosis everything I came here saw Dr. Sun had to wait to go to my endoscopy CT you know all the measuring things and then it was an instant referral to, to so within a week I was diagnosed and cured you know for exactly what happened for, for what was empirically going on that could be measured quantified qualified written about measured uh, in every way and um, so that's the story you know and uh, Larry felt guilty that you know them that they pressured me to go to the uh, 
Friedman, right? I said, you didn't know how sick I was. You didn't know that that, that probably would have done me in. Had I gone there first, which was the original plan, you, that would be the end of it. You'd be listening to old Zeph reports or not at all. And uh, that would be the, uh, the end of that. But I was able to get there and I signed a few posters. I signed some society posters. I signed, some guy had a, a Silent Night, Deadly Night 4. It's weird. Silent Night, Deadly Night 4 is of, of those four or five films that were the Silent Night, Deadly Night franchise. Four has jumped out for the critics. And they're, they're, it's, it's like the thing, you know, and, and uh, it probably makes the director mad. But because uh, I was, was going to do five, and then I got fired because of, of four. And now, right? I got fired because of four, in my recollection. And then they just figured, and they kept the same director. So, I mean, obviously, they thought the directing was good, but they thought the story was bullshit. And that's the one now that everybody wants. That's the one that they, they bring the poster of. They have posters of. That's the collectible. Is number. F- it's not this. They Lionsgate tried to put out a series of one, two, three, four, and five. And um, the people don't want the series. They want four. They want what I call the fucked up factor, which is me. They need that. Because I'll go there. You know what I mean? They won't go there. They're so busy pulling their punches, they don't know what they're doing. They, they operate on fear or greed. Either one or the other, Right? And you can't be that way. If you're going to talk online, you're going to talk to people, you got to just go ahead and be honest with them about what's going on. And if you say something too much, well, and say you get whacked. Okay, great. You know, it's uh, what well, one of my friends said, it only hurts for a second. <laughs> um, no, so anyway, so now you know the story. And I don't think we need to go back over that again. But yeah, um, it, it certainly motivated me to get into, uh, you know, to take my you know body way more seriously. And <clears throat> they, if I'm having, you know, my voice is kind of out of it because they stick a tube down my throat and go look around, so that's that's all screwed up right now. But it will, it will heal. And there's nothing like having a tube stuck up your down your throat or your, you know, your 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 penis rammed with a catheter into your bladder to really make your day. I mean that that right there, especially when you don't have any say over it. <laughs> anyway, um, the other thing I'm going to say here is that. Uh, Obviously, you know, there's a couple of projects underway. And there's a lot more to come. I mean, if God gives me more time. Sam, it's weird. When you get to be my age, you don't really think about... uh, It would be okay to die, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't want to leave anybody behind, but I'm just saying it's okay. When I was younger, it used to be a scary thing to think about death. You know? But now with so many people dying, it's like kind of like the thing to do. You know, it's, it's like the trend. It's, um, not only is it not scary, it actually seems inviting. I'm not advocating suicide by any 
stretch of the imagination, but I'm saying that uh, it, death does not frighten me like it did when I was younger. When I was younger, it was like, you know, so much we covet life. And as I've gotten older, and I read so much about death in the Bible, and I read about death in my books I read, I read about death in uh, news reports. I see people getting knifed to death and stabbed and shot, you know, all the time. And uh, it, it just, it's not that I've gotten numb to it, but it just seems like, you know, it's a natural thing. You know, so not, not to be, not to get worried about that, but just do what you can do to maximize, you know, the life that we've been given as a gift. And it is a gift. That's why I tell anyone who has suicidal tendencies, I just say, look, even if you don't like this, it's still a gift, it's still a chance. It's a chance of redemption. Because we're all, you know, basically, you know, wicked in the heart. We have a dual nature, you know, good and evil. And, you know, none of us really qualifies for righteousness. And there is no mechanism that can, there's no mommy, you know, mommy AI, are you going to forgive me? No, that's not going to work. Are you going to redeem me, mommy AI? No, that's not going to work because AI is just a reflection of demented idiots. It's just all AI is is, a, is another, you know, linear program. And if they say it's nonlinear, then they go, oh, it's a nonlinear al algorithm out of a linear program. Fine. Same thing. Same thing. Mr. Busk, it's the same thing. He goes around like he's the smartest guy in the room. It makes me sick. I'm not about done with him. And his conclusions are when he doesn't know something, he tries to leave it a little bit enigmatic, you know, like a little mysterious, like, you know, you know trying to use a, a sense of mystery eloquence. Don't think I didn't notice that. I did. I noticed things like that. Anyway, where we're headed is, I mean, we're, and then I have to talk about this pain thing because I've been in a lot of pain and I, and I have not been prescribed any medication for pain. So how do we handle it? Uh, where's my King James? I've got this, this is, uh, Okay, so not only so, but we worry about our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So that's a word on pain. And um, there's someone, come, uh, let's see, um, had another one I pulled. Okay, so in Psalm 69, 29 through 33, it says, I am suffering and in pain. Rescue me, O Lord, by your saving power. Then I will praise God's name with singing, and I will honor him with thanksgiving. For this I will please the Lord, more than sacrificing cattle, more than presenting a bull with its horns and hooves. In other words, we go more into, uh, you know, thankfulness, praise, glory of God, um, in times of pain 
in in order to 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 really have God take the pain or make the pain tolerable, to make it so that you just don't end up complaining all day long, but you you're able to get some kind of rest. And today they don't really you know they're not prescribing any kind of you know I mean you can't really prescribe for my situation any kind of opioid because it would you know hurt your organs you know I mean basically you're um, you're on your own I guess you know you have to even be careful of aspirin so it's but but God I've noticed this that so I'm in pain at night and I can't sleep and you know I'm, and I'm worried about my heart rate and I can feel you know things moving around and things not settled in my body and um, I have to find a way to sleep so what I'm doing is I'm just asking the Lord, you know, to heal me, sure. But just trying to stay there, at least mentally. I don't really need to say anything. But, you know, just be taken kind of away into sleep by the Lord. And the Lord's, um, I, I can't explain it, but then I end up getting to sleep. I'll sleep four, five, six hours, you know, in where I shouldn't be able to. And uh, with my, my back hurting, my kidneys hurting, my, my, my back is out in two places and uh, being queasy and, you know, <laughs> dizzy and all those things. How can I get rest? And how can I stop worrying about myself? And the Lord will take it away. But I, I find that I have to praise the Lord and I have to keep my focus on the Lord. And, and um, you know, the, is there a purpose in, in all this? Well, the Lord obviously, you know, my purpose is I have to double down on, uh, you know, on works. Works is uh, what's been missing. I don't mean like the Zeph report, I just mean like areas where I'm obviously have a problem, like in writing and things like that. I need to produce more works. And because uh, there's a lot that I have to say that has not been said and uh, can't be said on, on, in oral, orally. But there's a lot that I say even around here that never gets said here. There's, I don't know, radio puts me into a, like this kind of format puts me into a kind of a, a little bit of a box. And whereas when I'm facing a page, I'm no longer in that box. I'm, I'm, I have thoughts about, you know, I'm, one of my gifts is to, to notice little tiny things like, the way a light will hit a, a, the vase over there, the way it will hit it and reflect inside, let's say. And then what I think about when I'm thinking about that, you know, and then delve into that and start developing that as a image and a paragraph and a metaphor. And that's something that I, you know, I'm really, I have a gift, a tremendous gift at it, but I just haven't used it enough. And so that's really what, uh, what I think a lot of this is, is that I have... Uh, like one writer said, I think it was Paul Bowles, Sheltering Sky Guy, he goes, and this is another problem, is, you know, when, when you drink, you can't write. He said, and he was a, another guy that drank too much. He goes, you can either drink or you can write. There's another guy, a composer by the name of Ott, who had the same thing, he'd take all these psychedelic drugs and you know, but then he became a, a great UK producer, great, exquisite uh, music guy. And he said he would he quit the drugs and he put everything he had into those creations of his to create the same effects as the drugs, but without the drug. 
with his echoes and his psychedelic stuff and whatever he's doing. He's a very popular guy named Ott, O-T-T. And uh, you can see him, you know, on Spotify. But, so it's about using gifts, you know, not squandering, you know, the things that God's given you and, and not pissing away, I guess, stuff that, I guess we can all learn from this, you know. If I get another chance here, I just don't want to piss anything away. I don't want to be cynical. I don't want to be negative. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be unproductive. No, I mean, I have produced a lot. I'm, I'm CEO of, you know, the greatest, the greatest little film company that ever existed. You know, for at least I am for now. I won't be forever, but I am for now. And I'm operating at about 20% capacity, so I need to be, you know, get my head in the game, uh, which I am on the story department. I am, I am, but it's... You know what I mean. If you give it another chance, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna double down on the good things. You're gonna, you know, minimize your own uh, pleasures and, and escapes and 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 and, and uh, uh, selfishness. I would say, right? And you can be selfish, even because you feel shitty. Let's say. And so you can be selfish with that, you know, so nobody understands my pain, so I'm just going to hole up here with my feeling shitty and, you know, fuck everyone else and be, you know, just make yourself a victim, you know, and uh, get mad at people for not checking in on you and things like that. Um, that's a complete waste of time and a complete waste of, uh, that's, that's on, right, any of us who indulge in that, you know who you are. That is not only just a waste of time; it's it's a waste of everybody's time. It's a waste of it's a waste of God of God's gift, you know. And um, narcissism is probably one of the greatest um, tools the devil ever used. Because when you think it's all about you, you can't you can't create anything good in that circumstance. Also. Right, because if it's all about you, you're not seeing the world for what it is. You're denying reality. If you deny reality, your intelligence will go way down, because you can't. You're not observing all the little things that make this moment real. All the little things are going on everywhere. Right, people. You know your thoughts, the news events, this, that, the other thing. It's all creating a tapestry. Add something you can do something about, but it's and. And it may be that, you know, for someone else, it may not be not producing any anything, but um, you know, in my case, it's not squandering the time. But honestly, the last couple of years has just been, I've been worried about my own, you know, health and wondering, you know, how I could fix it. I don't think that was a waste of time. No. But nothing was going on, nothing was being produced at that in that state. So we're trying to, you know, I mean, obviously after an event like I went through, um, it's a life-changing event, and, you know, so everything is different now. And, you know, I'm not firing the doctors or going AMA or whatever else, but, I mean, everything is, um, I would really be able to write some really horrific things, though, right now. But I'm also here to... Uh, be an instrument of God, to be a, like, you know, the voice. And right now God is saying to me, anyway, to not be so concerned with death, 
or with nuclear war or with any of it, anything you see out there that's really deleterious or bothersome to you, um, to me, it's, you know, just drop it. I can't solve the nuclear war. If it comes, it comes. These guys are intent on ruining it. All I can say is, Lord, please take these evildoers and have your way with them. In Jesus' name, amen. I can't fix it. There's nothing I can do. I can pray. Are we at risk for nuclear war? More, more today than ever before in your entire life. More today than... I think we're at two seconds to midnight. I think we're ready to blow ourselves up into kingdom come. But I, I'm going to turn my focus away from that to try to use to redeem the time. I saw a lot of people at this horror convention and they really got into it with costumes and, and they had their escape. You know, they had their, this was their way of dealing with the world and they were parading around in there with all their costumes and their makeup and their, there was one guy that had a, like, a, like a knife through, halfway through his head and, you know, I just, when I was a kid, I used to love all that stuff, you know, and I, I still do to a certain extent, but, you know, they were acting it all up and like I said, I, I thought to myself, this is a really probably, a, you know, the people were all, Really nice. Yeah, really nice, but really, you know, it, it's like having that little escape that they have, that 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 unity in the uh, in the in the love of horror movies. Yeah, I was a little jealous of it because I, I I I'm not sure that I was. Well, I started like everybody else. I would watch The Wolfman and uh, Dracula, Frankenstein, yeah, the Bela Lugosi movies. The um, you know, Boris Karloff movies, right? The Mummy, um, you know, and, and various other films. And so I was, you know, I was a fan. You know, I was a fan. I wasn't though as deep as these guys get into a lot of detail. And there are some actors there that I wanted to meet. A couple of the Navajos from uh, from New Mexico. There's Amber Th- uh, Midthunder, who was in a series that was shot right by our where we live, called Roswell, and she and I knew she was going to be the one that was going to come up. I knew it, and I picked her out three years ago, and lo and behold, she had her own booth, and um, we actually have a role for her in Never Ever After, but I don't know, you know, she's owned by CAA and I had a moment Hollywood. with her. She was nice. I invited her to come to our screening, and she was impressed that we were having a screening there. And she, yeah, that anybody independent could actually get that far is, yeah. is a miracle. She was she was amazed, and um, I told her that we have a role for her. Yeah. <laughs> um, in our next film, her, never, her name never, ever she would be Dr. Marissa Denton, yeah. of Navajo heritage who became a doctor. She's petite. She's and on screen she seems, you know, larger yeah, than life, but, but, but she's she very small. Recruited in, into the uh, nefarious uh, industrial, you know, military industrial complex where she took part in creating super soldiers. That's her role. And then she repented of it, and now she's an activist against what? Gang stalking, electronic harassment. 
And so that's her. That's who she is. Can you imagine that role? And then eventually, things get really sideways. It's a really good role for her. And she eventually refines her own heritage, and kind of like bonds back with her elders in the uh, in the Navajo Nation, and um, she becomes like in a sense the subject of a, of a possible sequel, which is the she becomes in a way a, you know the most important person in the world in terms of what's going to happen next, which is a constant apocalypse. So that's the, um, the movie Never Ever After. And then, you know, but, but again, to get to someone like that, you've got a, you know, agents in Beverly Hills, and um, you know, they're all sharks, and they're all, you know, they're all like art of war. You know what I mean? They just, they just want to cut your throat to cut it. They don't even need to have a deal or something. How dare you try to steal our actor? I'm not trying to steal her. We'll do it SAG. We'll do it your way. You know, but um, well, I didn't approve that. You know, do you own her? Is that the deal? She has no mind, but she no soul, but you own everything she does. You because she had like handlers there. You know, they were like there's a whole bunch of tables of actors, and you could see those guys kind of in the background, sort of keeping track and keeping track of the money. People would pay money to, to have photo ops and stuff, and uh, you could see, you could see there's a little like a control thing going on. Anyway, no, she does not hate her fans. She she loves her fans. That's uh, that's rare, right? That's rare. Anyway, I just want to update you guys. It's really an update, you know, cloistered in this kind of um, I just don't think we should really talk about uh, you know predict predicto about you know predicting either bombs or prosperity. And if we're not going to talk about that, then, then maybe there's a, you know, there's a lot of other things we can talk about, but I'd, I'd like to talk about, uh, in the future, quality of life and how we can have a better quality of life, a better, you know, a better understanding, a better walk with God. And yes, we need to be outraged at, at the evil, at the woke and this and that, all the stuff that's going on. But it's just so amazing that people can't see their own evil. They can't see. You know, I used to read that story about Sodom and Gomorrah, and, you know, not so much because of the, you know, the, everyone, all, all the, 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 the people that are upset with that in the Bible, they, they all focus on sodomy being illegal and it's homophobic or something. That is not what it's about. It's about wickedness. It's about selfishness. It's about narcissism. It's about attacking that which is good. Kind of like you see when there's somebody good, they try to drag them down and attack them and kill them and hurt them forever and punish them. You know, Obama is really trying to, you know, in my view, create a satanic world where, you know, good is punished and evil is rewarded. And so long as it's uh, sanctioned by the, uh, you know, by the, by the, um, the, the, the Council of Wise Elders or whatever. And the thing about um, all that is, you know, it's obvious that it's, uh, this is Obama's legacy. And, you know, everything Biden has done is really Obama, not Biden. And this is his third term. And this is really, he has really taken the country where he wants to take it. And he's used people and promised them, you know, power and money and everything if they just go along. People are weak, they went along. And they're being paid, uh, you know, taxpayer dollars and this and that. 
how to get out of that kind of stuff, I, I think is a good topic. I've thought a lot about Omama over the years and how he he seems like a kind of a dumbass, you know, when he talks publicly. But he's not a dumbass. He's back there with the with the with the you know, with obviously a group of people um calculating his next move. You know, you know he, he tells Larry Fink what to do with BlackRock. Um he um is guides Bill Gates and Soros and all that. You know, this is all um to create a new world order, which means a satanic world of obedience and totalitarianism with DNA being compromised in human. So, um, yeah, much like John Carpenter's Escape from New York or L.A., it's leading to that kind of world, a complete lockdown totalitarian world. And then people want to know, well, how can you get out of there? Well, you have to escape. Um, well, 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 we'll just talk about whatever's going on. Today, I think, is the day we just got to relate to, um, you know, it's Memorial Day, too. The day to remember loved ones, and I certainly have been um, remembering people who have passed on. And um, we'll just have to see. There's a lot of people have, have died in the last couple of years. And uh, there's no guarantee I'll make it out of this thing either, so... But I have every hope. I would just say this. You know what it is? It's up to God. If God needs me around, I'll be there. And if not, I may go. But if I do go, I like to fantasize I'm going to come back and beat the fucking shit out of all all these people. Like Gates and stuff. I'm going to come back as a, as a, as a warring angel. And I'm going to cut him down. <laughs> of course, that's a fantasy. Please. Sorry, sorry, DOJ, that's a fantasy. No, no threat there. You mean if you die, you're going to come back? Well, we better arrest you than keep you alive. You know, I mean, that's what, you, that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with people that are, they just are what they are. I don't even know what they are. But uh, I thank you for tuning in. And then I think we'll move on from here. God bless. There's a great advantage in being a slave, I see. Promote the triangle, promote that pyramid. Take advantage of the ignorant and the weak. Always keeping your eye on the money and the fame. You serve your masters. Don't you, don't you know 
Luminario. Unless he was a curio. 